This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about the financial fresh start and sort of more specifically, what to expect after bankruptcy. Uh, you know, a debt problem doesn't have to last forever, which is great news. And declaring personal bankruptcy can be a solution to help anyone, consumers, get that financial fresh start and move forward without overwhelming debt. And Blair Manton's going to share, exp- uh, share and explain what to expect after declaring bankruptcy, including tips, and this will, these are good, on building your credit store, score and establishing new credit. So Blair, let's start at the beginning. Can you explain how personal bankruptcy would work for someone? Well, for sure, Elaine. You know, bankruptcy is a powerful legal remedy. It allows you to get debt forgiveness, and any Canadian or any person living in Canada is entitled to use this in situations where their debts have become unmanageable. So going personally bankrupt means that you get legal protection from your creditors, and you get debt forgiveness that eliminates virtually everything that you might owe. Um, The goal of personal bankruptcy, and this comes right from the legislation, is to give the honest but unfortunate person the opportunity to start fresh, free from unmanageable debt. Now, for most people, and there's a lot of misconceptions about this, but for most people, bankruptcy is actually a pretty straightforward legal process. Um, There's no lawyers, no court appearances, no need to ask creditors for permission to seek bankruptcy protection. And the eligibility to qualify for bankruptcy is actually quite straightforward. You just need to owe at least $1,000 and be insolvent, which means you're not able to pay your debt at once. Now, does anybody go bankrupt these days for $1,000? No, that, that number hasn't really changed changed since about the 1930s when the legislation was written. But certainly some people find, you know, a $5,000 or a $10,000 debt load is unmanageable, where for other people it's, you know, forty, fifty, dollars or $100,000. Either way, the access to bankruptcy is, is quite wide. Uh, when you start your bankruptcy, it means you're no longer making any payments towards your debt. And what's even more important for a lot of folks is you get that relief. No creditor is able to contact you for payment. So that means any of those collection actions, any wage garnishments, any actions that have been taken against you to recover that debt, they stop dead in their tracks and you get the time, the space that you need to restructure working closely with a licensed insolvency trustee. Now, bankruptcy is always considered a last resort. It's what you do when you can't pay the debt off in full and other options don't work, but there can be some significant advantages. So rather than just dismissing bankruptcy out of hand, we're going to talk about some of the reasons why a bankruptcy can be beneficial and why some of my clients say, you know, this was the best thing I ever did that allowed me to get control back in my life. You know, the main benefit of what happens when you go into bankruptcy is you get full forgiveness for just about every type of debt. And that includes credit cards, overdrafts, bank loans, taxes, just about every other Canada Revenue Agency debt, uh, even those benefit overpayments for CERB, uh, student loans, payday loans, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, A personal bankruptcy can also cover business-related debt. So if you're in the unfortunate situation that you had a business, it had to shut down, and you're on the hook 
for some of the debt. Personally, bankruptcy can allow you to deal with all of that debt at once. Uh, what bankruptcy also does is it generally puts you in a much better position with your monthly budget because you're going to remove those unaffordable debt payments. A lot of people that come in to see us, you know, they're just paying every dollar possible and making minimum payments and all of their debts, and they're not getting any further ahead. In general, bankruptcy is going to cost you a whole lot less than you would have to pay on those minimum monthly payments. And it's not going to last for decades. It's going to be over, you know, oftentimes inside of nine months, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. Uh, a couple of the other advantages is it protects your assets and your income from creditors. So if a wage garnishment has started, your wages are being seized, that stops. But also you don't have to worry about anything like that starting again. While you're in bankruptcy, your trustee steps in the middle between you and your creditors, kind of like a referee, and tells your creditors, well, the new rules of the game are that you deal directly with the trustee and so do the people that you owe money to. So nobody can go around the trustee and suddenly start to take payments from you. Uh, a big, big advantage to bankruptcy is that it ends the stress of debt. So a lot of times people just feel hopeless. They feel trapped in this cycle of paying all of their money on debts that don't seem to go down. Bankruptcy allows you to get that financial fresh start that you're going to move forward with your life and achieve your future financial goals. I know that uh, I, I I know that it's a very very difficult. I've witnessed somebody going through it, and it's a very difficult process, and it's it's hard on the person. But I I really appreciate the fact that you've pointed out the positive aspect that you it's now you've taken action. It's like you're incredibly aware of what's going on, and you're moving forward. And I I just think that's a real gift sometimes for folks. Well, it certainly is. And, you know, not trivializing bankruptcy, but, you know, quite often it's much less, uh, much less bad than you think. We've got a YouTube video that's entitled bankruptcy is not as bad as you think and has some really good insights about it. And if you compare it to what the person is already dealing with, that's the horrible process. That's the feeling hopeless, scared to open the mail, maybe having 20, 30% or more of your wages being taken before you can even touch them. Um, so, you know, you'd never do bankruptcy if you're in a perfect financial situation, you just wouldn't need it. But if you're in the situation where you need the help, uh, it certainly can give you that brand new lease on life. Yeah. So we're going to talk more about bankruptcy uh, in in this segment. But if you already know that you want to talk to a licensed insolvency trustee at Sands and Associates and get started and end that awful feeling of not knowing enough or what to do next, this is the phone number. It's 1-800-661-3030. So um, do you want to talk a little bit about the process for completing mm -hmm. a bankruptcy and, and what it's like in general for someone? Yeah, again, here's where there's often a lot of misconceptions about it. A lot of people worry that a bankruptcy is going to be a permanent or a long-term setback to achieving their financial goals or life events. Uh, the reality, again, is you get that financial fresh start. You often eliminate debts that you've been paying for years, sometimes even decades in some cases. Um, and the process allows you to move on financially and otherwise unhindered by debt. Now, contrary to many misunderstandings, most people are just in bankruptcy for nine months. It's not the six or seven years you might have heard about in some countries around the world. It does take that long or even longer. But in Canada, the vast majority of people, about 80% of cases, if they've never filed for bankruptcy before, they start and finish the process within nine months. Uh, what they have to do during that time, so as we mentioned, they stop paying their debts, they stop having responsibilities to their creditors. 
but they do have some duties they have to accomplish in order to get that full financial rehabilitation. And none of them are crazy, but um, they're a little bit of work on a monthly basis. So the most important ones uh, is you have to keep a monthly household budget documenting your income and your expenses. So not everybody is in bankruptcy because they couldn't manage their finances and just needed some extra help, but some people are. And in general, everyone's going to benefit or at least, you know, consist maintain their good consistency by keeping a budget. Um, so each month you provide a budget to your trustee showing what money came into the household and where that money went. You're allowed to spend the money any way that you want, but you do have to provide some proof with pay stubs or bank statements so that your trustee is aware of your monthly income. Um, the second main duty in bankruptcy is you have to complete two private one-on-one -on -one financial counseling sessions. These are excellent sessions. People phone us back years later saying, you know, that was when I finally understood the game. I understood how to rebuild credit, how to set up a good household budget, how to set financial goals, all that great financial literacy that not all of us get in school or very few of us seem to. Uh, you will get that during these two financial counseling sessions. Uh, the third obligation is you've just got to pay the cost of the bankruptcy. So the trustee does not receive any funding from your creditors, doesn't receive any funding from the government, in fact, has to pay to file the bankruptcy to the government. But we try to keep bankruptcy as economical as possible. And for a simple first time bankrupt, the cost is roughly $2,700. And that's broken up in nine monthly payments, usually about $300 per month. Uh, if that's not affordable, there are options, there's some government assistance programs that a person can access. But in typical, people often think, uh, you know, a bankruptcy is going to cost a ton of money. It's usually a whole lot less than what you're already paying on your debts. Uh, and instead of paying that money for decades, you're going to pay it for nine months and then move on. Once you've completed those duties over the nine month period, you receive an official discharge from bankruptcy, which means you're now free and clear. All those debts are legally gone. When you file for bankruptcy, they essentially get suspended, waiting for you to complete the bankruptcy. Once you've got that discharge certificate, and that's sometimes my most fun part of the job is signing a bunch of discharge certificates, knowing this has given people that fresh start. Once you've got that discharge certificate, that's when you can move on, everything is left behind, and you start again owing nobody anything. Now, Blair, we've just got about three minutes left. We could talk about, you know, credit, and I'm curious mm -hmm. as to how important that is for folks. I'm also thinking, boy, oh boy, it'd be great to let everybody know um, where they can learn more about bankruptcy and those alternatives. But your choice, what do you, what, what do you think we should end the segment with? Well, everybody's always concerned about credit. So I think let's spend a little bit of time there. And if anybody's sure. curious about alternatives, they just need to keep listening to our show because we always talk about proposals, different options. So I'm sure people will get that in information. But the key thing to take away from credit is that bankruptcy is not a permanent mark on your credit history. It's going to be noted after you finish the bankruptcy for six years after it's completed. So that's sometimes where that seven-year myth comes from. You finish a bankruptcy in nine months, but for the next six years, if someone pulls a credit report, they can see a bankruptcy has been filed, but it doesn't mean that you're untouchable. In many ways, you're a better credit risk after bankruptcy than before because you have no other debt. There's nobody else going to compete with the person that's going to loan you money to get repaid. And quite often, if you take the right steps to rebuild your credit, it's as little as two to three years after a bankruptcy. You've got a very solid credit rating. You could qualify for a mortgage, uh, qualify for car financing even quicker than that. The main steps that you have to accomplish when you finish the bankruptcy to start rebuilding your credit, 
First off is to actually get copies of your credit reports and make sure everything is accurate because sometimes there can be some inaccuracies. Some creditors might continue to report a debt as unpaid even though it's gone into bankruptcy, but you can correct that very easily when you get your credit report from Equifax or TransUnion. They have a very defined dispute resolution procedure. You could, your trustee will send you some documents. That's all you need to provide them to get that cleared. But then you also have to establish new credit. And the best way to do that is with a secured credit card. That's where you put down a deposit, you get a card with a lower limit. If you use that card, try to keep the balance under 50% each month. And after a few months, a year of using that card, you'll probably be surprised, you know, how quickly you will be getting offers of credit again. And then your obligation is just going to be to use it responsibly. No one wants to repeat a bankruptcy if they can avoid it. And many people after bankruptcy go on again to be very financially successful. The calls that we get years later of people having just completely changed their financial outlook, um, you know, it's just very gratifying. So certainly not something that's going to follow you for the rest of your life. It's often the enabler that's going to allow you to achieve those, achieve those financial goals. And I, and I want to throw in too, you know, we, the, the, one of the things that you, we've talked about before is, is really questioning or asking yourself, how badly do I need this thing? If it's something that you're really wanting. And that's, that's why the counseling comes in or where mm -hmm. the counseling comes in and why it's so important for folks. Absolutely. Yeah. We talk about needs versus wants and how to plan for your long-term goals. And, you know, you can have a lot of things. You've just got to really take the time to make sure you save in advance. And, you know, that takes a little, a little bit of practice, but it's so satisfying when, you know, you're paying cash out of savings as opposed to putting something on credit and feeling that anxiety. So if you're worried about debt, here's what it does and doesn't help to solve the problem mistakes not to make in dealing with debt and what to do instead. That's what this segment is all about. We all know debt can be very frustrating and pretty overwhelming. And Blair's going to explain that loads and loads of people end up deeper in debt trying to deal with the issue on their own. And that's the cool thing about Sands and Associates is that you can sit down with someone and they will help you figure out the next best steps for your very, very specific issue or situation. As Blair is, he's going to explain what are some of the most common mis mistakes that he warns people about when it comes to dealing with their debt. Take it away, Blair. Yeah, well, thank you, Elena. I'm thrilled to, to talk about this today because, you know, it's forewarned is forearmed and a whole lot of folks that I see, they just wish they had some good insight early on. They might have taken a different approach rather than making some of the mistakes that we're going to talk about. But it's also the fact that when we borrow money, you know, to a person, everybody that I've met when they borrowed money, they intended to pay it back. So they never really gave that much thought about what's the downside, what are the implications if I'm not able to pay this debt back, if things don't go according to plan. Uh, there can be a whole lot more to debt than it otherwise seems. And there's a lot of reactions to a debt problem or some strategies that if you think you're doing the right thing to pay off the debt that seem beneficial, but might have some serious risks or some unintended consequences. Um, so a couple of common areas that I see people consistently uh, make poor decisions on um, is one of them is you need to, if you find yourself in debt, you have to stop making your debt a bigger problem. So the old adage that if you find yourself in a hole, what's the 
the first thing you do, well, you should stop digging. Um, and the first thing is what most people often do when they find themselves in debt is they try to solve it with more borrowing. So they end up getting more credit or more debt. And in some cases, this is something like a balance transfer or consolidating with a line of credit, um, a loan. And in some cases, that can be a solution depending on the severity of the situation. But there can be some real challenges with this. So a big problem with consolidating debt um, is being eligible for borrowing at a low interest rate without giving a major asset or a cosigner, which you don't want to do either of those. And we'll talk a bit more lately. Um, and being able to afford the monthly payment, that can be a challenge. So a lot of people think, well, I've got really high interest debt. Let me just go get a consolidation loan. I'll be paying it all back, but at least at a lower interest rate. But it can be very tough to qualify for the best types of these loans. So sometimes what happens is folks end up with a payday loan or a fast cash, an instant loan, something along those lines. And these are the worst types of debts to get into. I was just speaking with someone yesterday, and it was a 50% interest rate um, on their balance they had every dollar that they were spending each month uh, was basically going just to service the interest and they would have been in this debt for a very very long time and what we find is if someone ends up with a payday loan or again a fast cash or instant loan where it's very high interest they usually don't end up with just one they end up with a cycle where they pay one payday loan back and take a second one because now they're short. And sometimes there's upwards of 10 payday loans that can be outstanding at once. And the objective here of how the person started this borrowing was just to try to get on top of their, their debt situation. They tried to borrow more either to consolidate or to make payments on other debts. So be very careful uh, if your answer is to borrow more from a third party, but also be very careful if you're gonna be borrowing from family or friends or accepting some co-signed credit where the bank will only approve you for consolidation if you get somebody else to be responsible to sign on the dotted line as well as a co-signer. And our advice is that creating a legal responsibility for others through a debt restructuring arrangement is almost never a good idea. What you're doing is putting both you and the other person at financial risk, and oftentimes it puts the relationship at risk too. Um, so if you're not able to meet your regular household expenses um, and your debt payments without turning to more borrowing, so if the only way you can solve a problem is to, is to get into more debt, that's a significant sign of a debt problem that means you should reach out to a licensed insolvency trustee as soon as possible. Wow, that 50% for a payday loan, that just threw me. I, it's hard to imagine. It seems absolutely criminal that an organization would charge somebody that kind of interest rate, Blair. It just, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, you know, you get desensitized a little bit over, over the years, but what I always love too is when we actually look at, well, what are you paying on that payday loan? And then when we structure a consumer proposal and the proposal to deal with all of the debts is often less than just that payday loan payment, you know, that that's a huge relief for a person. So oh, um, the yeah. worst thing is just to stay trapped in, in that situation. And, you know, that's another big pitfall that, that people make is they isolate themselves or they let mm -hmm. the blame and shame of the situation hold them back. And, you know, we don't encourage anybody to share a legal obligation for their debt. So don't get people involved formally, but it doesn't mean you should isolate yourself from the people that care about you and that can support you because being in debt can feel very scary. People can feel alone and overwhelmed. And from our research, people often feel very embarrassed and ashamed. They feel like they made some bad decisions. Maybe they're the only person going through this situation. So, uh, Licensed insolvency trustees, myself and Sands and Associates, we encourage everybody to open up, to share what they're going through with someone in their life that really cares about them. It could be a spouse or a partner, close family member or a friend, uh, or if you need to reach out to a doctor or a counselor or your, or your 
province's health information line, you know, in BC, it you call 811 or visit healthlinkbc.ca, you really need to prioritize your health and your emotional well-being also. Excellent. And I want to throw in a note here too. If you already know uh, that you're in or sort of entering into this kind of situation where, where you're starting to isolate yourself and you don't know what to do and there's shame and blame all attached to that stuff, give Sands and Associates a call and set up that, that, that consultation, that first consultation. They'll listen to you and work out everything that you could possibly uh, want to work out and answer all of your questions and then figure out if, what the next best steps are. And the phone number again is 1-800-661-3030. Blair, is there, what else is there that you generally suggest people avoid, uh, that it, that it more than likely is just going to make the problem worse that we haven't touched mm -hmm. on yet? Yeah, a couple of things. So, you know, just one last point on getting personal support is you need to be careful who you're getting financial advice from. So you definitely need to ensure, you know, even accountants, lawyers, financial advisors, many are not skilled in understanding every all the ins and outs about debt. So be careful about a well-meaning friend or family member or someone who thinks they have a solution for you. You want moral support, but for the actual technical debt solution support, you want to go to the experts. Now, a couple of other big problems that people can, can bring upon themselves or bad choices to make. Uh, a simple thing is what we're, we're terming here using your or sorry, compromising your long term to resolve what can be a short term debt problem. And the big headline here is leave your assets alone. So always check in with a licensed insolvency trustee before you decide to sell off some assets to pay your debts, because you can inadvertently risk creating a bigger problem for yourself um, and really compromising your future. And the biggest one that I see here is about cashing in RRSPs. So it's less frequent now than it was in the past, but I still see people people where they decide, you know, I've got a bunch of debt, I've got all this retirement money I've been saving, you know, I'm going to lose that money anyway, the creditors could take it from me. So I'm just going to voluntarily collapse my RRSPs and use it to pay down my debt. You don't have to do that. You should never do that. The assumption where um, someone is going to lose their RRSPs for debt is just plainly false. It's impossible for someone to have their RRSPs seized to pay debt. Even if someone files for a bankruptcy, they're not required to surrender their RRSPs. And what happens if you choose to voluntarily cash in your RRSPs is that that money is taxable. It's added to your income in this year. So there might be some tax withholdings uh, held back. So you might not get everything that you think you're going to get. But then next year, you're probably going to have a significant tax bill. So not only did you compromise your retirement, you've also bought yourself now a tax liability you're going to have to deal with. So it's never a good idea to cash in RRSPs to pay debt. And if you're considering that, stop now, do your research, have a chat with a trustee and understand that that's a protected asset um, that you should never have to compromise for debt. Uh, a second big thing we encourage people to avoid is don't ignore the problem, but also don't assume that it has no solution. So debt is one of those problems where if you ignore it, it doesn't get better on its own. It often just gets worse because of the interest and missed payments and, and credit notations and things like that. Um, but some people can really feel frozen with inaction. They can think, well, there's no solution. So they're worried every day, but they're just continuing to throw minimum monthly payments on credit card interest or they're borrowing 
repaying, borrowing payday loans, but oftentimes things do escalate to a crisis point. So it's always best to act as early as possible. Whenever you feel worried about your debt, uh, reach out for help and trust your gut because the takeaway from this is that you do have solutions, you do have options, and a trustee is the person that can help you execute all of those options. What about just making a minimum payment on our debts? It, does that make any sense, Blair? Well, in some cases it does, but you have to be very careful because minimum payments are really not designed to get you out of debt and it can lead you to a false sense of security. So I often overhear people saying, well, you know what, I'm making minimum payments. You know, that's okay. My credit rating looks fine. But a couple things, you know, first off, are you actually able to afford those minimum payments in your budget or are you slipping further and further into debt that your debts are going up each month, you're making minimums, but you're having to consistently access new credit. Um, but also, the idea is that you're making the minimum payments, you're not going to be debt free in a very, very long time. So if you look at something like even a small purchase of $240, if you had interest costs of 19.99%, which is a pretty standard credit card interest cost, you know, that would take two and a half years to pay off. And that $240 purchase would end up costing you $309. So you know, that's a lot. And that's just for a very small payment. Blair, what are some of the other actions that people should take if they're dealing with a potential debt problem? Well, the biggest thing, Elaine, is that you really can't count on having some miracle happen. You know, winning the lottery is not a strategy, something falling from the sky. You need to get a plan and you owe it to yourself to get debt help. So people are very focused on what they owe the banks and the credit card companies and everything. But what do you owe yourself? You owe yourself the ability to live without the stress of debt, the ability to wake up every day with some optimism and not feel as though the world is closing in on you because you owe some money. So what people should do if they find themselves dealing with a the potential debt problem is to connect for a free confidential consultation with a licensed insolvency trustee. So any licensed insolvency trustee will meet with you for free, no obligation, everything confidential, talk about your situation and give you some advice. And some of the classic reasons why you'd reach out to a trustee is if you're feeling stressed about your debt. If you're just able to afford the monthly payments, the minimums, and not anything more than that, if you're seeing your debt balances remain almost the same every month, even though you make payments, and if you're using credit to cover your regular costs of living, those are all indications you'd really benefit from speaking with an expert like a licensed insolvency trustee. I think it's all about getting advice and getting a plan to be debt free. And Sands and Associates is the place to go for both of those things. So book your free confidential non-judgmental debt consultation today. The phone number 1-800-661-3030 or visit their website sands-trustee.com. So I know this is your most favorite thing to talk about, Blair. Indeed. And that is a, a consumer proposal, what it is and how it works. And if you haven't heard about it, this is a perfect segment for you because consumer proposals are probably one of the most unique solutions for Canadians to consolidate, cut debts without needing new financing or loans. And Blair is going to explain the ins and outs of what a consumer proposal is and how you can file one to help you manage and pay off your debt. So Blair, right off the top, what is a consumer proposal and how does it consolidate debt? 
Well, it's my pleasure to, to continue to talk about consumer proposals because if I think if I identify one of the, the main goals that I had when we started the show and it continues is to really create create awareness of this option because as soon as people are aware of how powerful a proposal is, the benefits that are associated with it, um, it can really be a lifesaver in so many situations and people not being aware of it, they could just continue to, to suffer, to feel hopeless and just not move forward financially. So what a consumer proposal is, it's a legal debt relief option. It allows you to consolidate your debt and make an agreement with your creditors to settle your debts in full by repaying what's affordable for you. So a proposal can consolidate just about every type of debt and you can often cut your debt very considerably. Anywhere from 50 to 80% is very common and we're talking just about every debt you can imagine. Things like credit cards, overdrafts, lines of credit, payday loans, uh, amounts owing to government, which people are quite surprised about because we have this misconception. If you owe the government, there's nothing you can do. Well, there certainly is. It's called a consumer proposal. So if you owed for income tax, business GST debt, uh, even any pandemic benefit over payments, they can be reduced in the consumer proposal as well. Uh, even student loans, whether government or bank funded, um, they can be compromised and reduced in a consumer proposal. Now, it's important to know that you can't do a consumer proposal on your own. You have to work with a licensed insolvency trustee. And the purpose of that is that the trustee is going to work side by side with you to figure out what's a fair consumer proposal offer. And then the trustee is going to take over communications with your creditors and facilitate those payments. So the trustee steps in the middle, makes sure everything goes according to plan and is accountable to all parties. Now, the trustee is also going to give you guidance and support throughout the consumer proposal process, as well as two in-depth private financial counseling sessions that are going to help you really turn things around, understand the circumstances that got you to needing the proposal, how you can set some great goals in the future, rebuild your credit after, uh, and again, start again fresh. Uh, proposal Proposals are very flexible and each person's unique circumstances are really what dictate how they're structured. It could be everything from a single lump sum payment, which sometimes happens if a family member uh, wants to help another family member pay off debt, rather than giving them the full amount of that debt, help them make a proposal, maybe pay off 30 to 40 cents on the dollar. And then that extra money you were going to give to pay off the debt, you know, perhaps you help them to start investing or, or go to school or something along those lines. To give you an example, uh, I'm sorry, you can go from either a lump sum or monthly payments uh, for as long as 60 months. So it's never longer than that five-year term. It's not something you'll pay back for decades. And once you file a proposal, if things got better for you, you can pay it off early and put things in the rearview mirror. Uh, one example of a proposal is when I heard this first example, I thought, you know, there's there's no way. This is too good to be true. And that was me as, you know, a 22-year-old graduate from university working at Deloitte uh, and thinking I knew a lot about personal finance. I didn't know about a proposal. And I remember this example, it was someone had a debt of $25,000. And if they were going to pay that off with an interest rate of 18% over a five year period, they'd have to pay $635 a month. So it might be easy or not, depending on your income. But you know, it's definitely a significant amount. Uh, what a consumer proposal could do is if you sat down with a trustee and figured out, well, I can't afford $635 a month, I can afford $200 a month, you could offer a consumer proposal for a total of $7,500 and you'd make monthly payments of about $210 a month for 36 months. 
So you'd be out of debt in three years rather than five years, and you'd be paying back about a third of the monthly payment as if you had to pay the debt back in full plus interest. When you do a consumer proposal, that payment of $210 a month to clear $25,000 of debt, that's all that you pay. Everything is included in that payment, all the costs for the trustee, for the counseling, for the filing, everything is set by government tariff. There's no added fees or costs, and you don't have to pay anything up front to file a consumer proposal. At Sands & Associates, the consultation is always free, but even up to the point of signing your proposal, you don't make a single payment. It's only after you've signed the proposal, you just begin making those monthly payments of, again, in this case, about $210 a month to deal with $25,000 of debt. So a lot of people think when they come into our office, you know, bankruptcy is the only option. I can't afford to pay these debts off in full. And when we're able to show them a consumer proposal. It's over nine in 10 clients these days. It's never been as high. And I'm so happy about this. Over nine in 10 clients that come to work with a trustee at Sands and Associates, figure out a way for them to make that consumer proposal, avoid a bankruptcy filing. And in just about every case, they're so happy to have that option. I'm really quite surprised. They're like, well, why don't I know more about this? And I say, well, listen to our radio show. We we do the best that we can to make people aware of it, uh, but it's certainly not something that your bank or your collection agency is going to tell you. The consumer has to do their own research, and that's why we try to get the word out there as much as possible. Excellent. And so before we go into a bit more detail, I want to give you the phone number, the listener, the phone number. It's 1-800-661-3030. And that's for Sands and Associates offices. And to make that first appointment and sit down and talk with somebody. Offices all over British Columbia. They're open seven days a week now and uh, until 7 p.m. each evening. So and you can also do it in a myriad of ways. You can go into the office. You can do it uh, through, you know, online on a Zoom link or, or whatever the, the great Latest, latest platform is that folks use, mm -hmm. uh, all of that. They're very, very accessible. So back to the show, what advantages do consumer proposals have compared to other options like consolidation loans? Because I think people who haven't heard of this before are going to say, well, what about this and what about that? And I know you've got a very mm -hmm. clear way of describing it. Oh, for sure. And and that's what we do in our consultation is we look at all of the options, including a consolidation loan. If that's your best option, we'll, we'll try to help you figure that out. But a big difference with a consumer proposal is you pay zero interest, not a reduced amount, literally zero, and you pay back what you can afford to repay. What a consumer proposal, and generally that's less than the full amount. What a consumer proposal gives you is a clear plan. You've got a clear debt-free date. You know exactly what you need to do to get the proposal paid off. And if it was that $210 a month over 36 months, months, if you're a year into it, and suddenly you've got a great promotion at work, you got a bonus, you just want to pay this thing off early, you can do that at any time without interest or penalty. Uh, a powerful thing with a proposal is that it's easy to qualify for and that you don't need to borrow. Uh, nobody is giving you a loan here. So there's no credit rating required. Um, there's no cosigner required, no assets that need to be pledged. Your credit score and your credit history are not qualifying factors. So a lot of folks that we see actually have great credit because they don't miss any payments, but they're just not getting it head. Uh, other folks might have been missing payments for years and the accounts are all in collections. Everybody can do a consumer proposal regardless of your credit history. Uh, you get that breathing room that you need from creditor actions because if you are delinquent on your payments, I don't need to tell you that the collectors aren't being quiet. They're probably calling you morning, noon, and night, threatening you, perhaps even taking you to court. All of that stops immediately on the day that you file a consumer proposal. You're legally protected. The trustee communicates with all of the creditors, letting them know what their options are, which are they can accept your proposal 
or they can reject the proposal, but they can't continue uh, to take the collection actions as they've been taken. And in over 95% of cases, the proposal is accepted on the first offer. It's up to 99% of cases if we have to do a little bit of negotiating, always with the client involved, we're still able to reach a very successful outcome. You know, the final big advantage is that it's affordable. So as I mentioned, you know, $25,000 a debt could be as little as a couple hundred dollars a month, you know, even going up from there, sometimes 50 or $100,000 a debt that's so completely unaffordable, it can be brought down to a reasonable monthly payment that allows the person to pay back what they can afford. And the benefit to the creditors is they actually get some recovery on the debt rather than the person filing for bankruptcy and everybody being worse off, perhaps the creditors getting nothing back uh, and the person going through a bankruptcy proceeding, which they would have liked to avoid if only they could have known about this proposal. And I just want to throw in here, a licensed insolvency trustee is the only one who can facilitate a consumer proposal for you. That's super exactly important. right. Yeah, mm -hmm. super important to know that. Folks will tell you all kinds of things, but a licensed insolvency trustee, completely federally regulated, they're the ones that are going to do that. And Sands and Associates are the number one people who can help you with that. Hard to believe, Blair, but it's tax time already. Every year. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, we just finished Christmas and then it feels like we're sliding into tax time and we got to start thinking about that and getting those receipts and all that stuff together in order to file. Uh, the good news is in this segment, Blair's going to have some tips for minimizing stress during this tax time and, of course, where to get help with unmanageable tax debt. Uh, so we're going to get some tax time time tips, some do's and don'ts from Blair. Let's start with your do's. What are your key do's for people to get through tax time with minimal stress. Oh, I like the sound of that. It well, indeed. And not impossible to do. And, you know, again, nice. a lot of it just comes from, you know, planning and having the knowledge. So we'll try to give you some base of that today. You know, the first thing, and this is important every year, is to know if and what you actually need to file. So CRA requires at least an annual Canadian T1 general tax return to be filed for most people. But there are some exceptions to this. And there can be some additional filing requirements depending on your personal or business situation. Situation. So you shouldn't assume just because you didn't have any income or you're pretty sure you're not going to owe the government any money, you shouldn't bother to file. In just about every case, it's in your best interest to file because many government benefits actually rely on CRA information to disperse the credits and the benefits, such as the Canada Dental Benefit, you know, something brand new, a huge benefit to, to folks under a certain income threshold, the Canada Housing Benefit, Canada Child Benefits, Guaranteed Income Supplements, so important for any seniors to make ends meet, uh, GST credits, low-income climate action tax credits, you know, the list goes on and on. And even beyond that, a tax return is one of the best ways, sometimes the only way, that you'll be able to prove your income. So if you need to apply for credit or make a housing application, you know, nothing stands up as well as showing, well, here's my notice of assessment, filed on time, showing the balance, if it was owed, it's cleared, or there was no balance owing, you know, that that's really important. Uh, it's key that every person understands what their obligations are and especially for self-employed people, because just not knowing is not an excuse CRA is going to give any leeway for. Um, the best way to keep current and up-to-date is to visit Canada.ca, navigate to the taxes section, and then you can review some details about filing requirements and identif identify what you'll need to file. 
if you think your filing requirements are beyond your abilities, you know, seek out some help. There's a lot of reputable bookkeepers or accountants out there. It doesn't have to cost as much as you might think, especially if you do a whole lot of the work. If you hand your accountant a shoebox, you can bet that's going to be a whole lot more expensive than, you know, giving them a link to a spreadsheet where you've itemized, you've entered everything, and their job is more um, just to tabulate rather than to input all the documents. Um, you want to take a little bit of time to understand what's new each year, especially with regards to credits. This year, there's the BC renters tax credit. So if you're not aware of that, you know, you might not be able to, you might not complete your taxes in, in the correct way to get access to that benefit. And then also educate yourself on the latest scams. You know, CRA is often um, something that scammers will use pretending they're from CRA and they want you to do this or that. And sometimes, you know, pay a balance by gift cards, which they would never um, ask you to do. And CRA has got some very good resources on their website saying, well, you know, here's what we will do. Here's what our phone calls are like. Here's our letters. Here's the online access that you can have. Uh, and CRA is never going to create that urgent situation where something must be done today. So that's, you know, a great indication of, of a scam. Uh, once you know what you need to file, really important to plan ahead. So set yourself aside a day and a time to get yourself organized, get the documents to your tax preparer, or if you're filing yourself, just sit down and start to get the return done. It's quite easy with with NetFile certified software. You know, I know Costco every year has a good deal on, on the software that you might need to use. Uh, you can also work through an accountant, a bookkeeper. There's community volunteer tax credit or tax clinics. And you can also still file by hard copy if that's what you choose to do. Um, really important to make sure that you both file and pay on time. And those can be different dates, surprisingly. Uh, that's going to avoid disruptions to your benefits and credits, but also avoid late filing penalties if you have a balance owing. The file deadlines and payment deadlines for individuals are April 30th this year for both. So file your taxes and pay the balance. If you're self-employed, you have until June 15th to file, but it's important that you know the payment deadline is still April 30th. So yes, before you've even filed your taxes, the government wants you to pay it if you're self-employed. You have to estimate the balance owing and you try to get as close as possible because if you're wrong, they're going to charge you a little bit of interest. If you underpay, if you overpay, well, they're going to refund you the difference there. Um, so for self-employed individuals, because June 15th is a Saturday, it's actually June 17th um, is the payment deadline. But if you're unable to pay the balance in full, filing on time is still so important to avoid those penalties and then to get a sense of, you know, what's, what's actually facing you so you can make a plan. Excellent. Uh, lots of dates to keep in mind, but boy, oh boy, April 30th is the one uh, mm -hmm. that's upmostly important at this point. Um, now, I've, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but have you got some tips on how to spend a tax refund? Uh, I mean, sometimes we get them and, and what, what's your best advice for those things? Well, it's always great when you have some extra cash coming into your budget, but you've got to remember too, a tax refund is not free money. It's actually just a return of your money that you've overpaid to the government. So you want to use your refund well. The best advice I can give is to put the refund aside to cope with things like irregular expenses. These are the things that can often throw a budget completely off kilter because they're larger expenses that might happen just periodically through the year instead of every, every month. So maybe it's a medical expense like eye exams. Uh, it could be a budget for costs for occasionals or, ce or celebrations that you do, uh, an insurance renewal, um, vehicle maintenance, house 
house payments uh, or house maintenance, if you're carrying some debt, wouldn't it be great to just be able to pay a bunch of that refund to, dr to drive that balance down? And then it's also going to reduce your ongoing interest costs. Uh, some of the best ways to put your tax refund aside if the above is, is not, not applicable is to build an emergency fund, you know, to have that ability to weather a financial storm, you know, up to six months of fixed expenses is a best practice. But even having a couple months is going to put you head and shoulders above a lot of folks that just have no emergency fund. And then if you're already there, well, wouldn't it be nice to have a vacation fund where when you go on vacation, it's paid for, you're not going to have that hangover of the credit card bill a couple months later paying for that trip for years. Um, so there's a lot of really good things you can try to do with that tax refund. But again, consider it's your money that the government's been holding on for you. It's not, you know, you've won the lottery here and spend and spend it frivolously, you know, take it serious and try to create a long term benefit with it. Okay, good. Now, we talked about the do's. What are some of the don'ts in our last couple of minutes? Well, certainly don't pay late if you can avoid it. Um, if you have a balance owing, if you're able to pay it off full, then that's better. But also consider why you have a balance owing, so you can hopefully avoid that in future years. So quite often people are working a couple of jobs and they haven't told the, the other both employers about that. So if both employers just take off the minimal amount of tax, every year that person's going to have a balance owing. Uh, if you do have a balance with CRA, you have to be aware their interest charges and penalties can add up quickly compounding daily interest. Uh, interest can also be applied to installment requirements or GST remittances. And we've talked also about the late filing penalties. Those can actually be double their usual amount if you're a habitually late filer. So again, so important to file on time. Now, if you do have a balance owing to CRA, it's important to know um, that you can't ignore that balance. CRA has the most power of any creditor you can imagine. Uh, the first thing they often do is to exercise what's called set off, where they're going to withhold government benefits from you if you owe the government money. So if you had a tax refund coming to you next year, but you had a balance this year, you're not going to get that tax refund until that previous balance is cleared. And then even more extreme, if you've got a significant balance to CRA that can go to your employer to garnish wages, or even register on title to your home and get paid in full when the home sells, all those things you want to avoid if you can, because it takes you out of the driver's seat. Excellent. All such good advice. And here's the thing I want to add just as we close out this segment. Uh, sans-trustee.com is the website. It's filled with great questions and easy to understand answers if you've got any more, because there's lots of things to ask about tax time and, and your income tax and, and how to do it or tax debt in general. So sans-trustee.com. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. 911. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.